And I was thinking, I was going to call this message God's shock absorbers and um, because that's who we are. You might not have thought of yourself sitting on the undercarriage of a car, <laughs> navigating the bumps of life. But I was thinking about shock, shock absorbers and I can't really explain them probably as well as Russell or Carlo or I'm not going to include Peter there. He doesn't, he doesn't understand shock absorbers. He tells me I don't understand shock observers because I never slow down over bumps. So I just keep going. But this is the truth about shock absorbers. They're pump-like devices which keep your vehicle's tyres in contact with the road surface. Would that not be true? All you men? Is that true? Carlo, is that true? Oh, he's not even here. John, is that right? Okay, excellent, excellent. Just wanted to double-check that I've got it right. Um, they're an essential part of your vehicle suspension for controlling movement. And, um, you know, what they do is they control the rebound on its, you know, of its suspension springs. So as long as your vehicle remains in contact with the road, the steering, road handling and brake responses will be optimal, helping to keep you safe. But see, today, we're, we're, we're the ones, you know, society's a little bit in danger of, um, of disconnecting from the road, <laughs> if I may say. Shock absorbers, you're sort of going, ah, oh, where's the shock absorbers? And um, you and I are all about, as Christians, our life should be about learning to stay connected to the road, navigating life well and navigating the bumps, right? Have I got to know many of you with me so far? That's it, good, excellent, just wanting to check. So today, I thought I might, I was going to talk a little bit about, I was going to title this message, 10 points of highly effective, highly offendable people. I thought, no, that's probably not a good title. <laughs> and then I thought I could call it How to Have a Thick Skin and Enjoy Life. <laughs> and um, then I thought, no, I did 10 points last week, so, you know, that's just passe. I've got to start, come up with a new idea this week. And um, so I thought, what am I going to call this? And I thought, well, you know, I'd already prepared this message about shock absorbers, so I thought I'm calling you God's shock absorbers. And so I want to come up with a few points that help us stay connected and not go off the road. I think the world today is probably going off the road a bit. Would you not think that? And um, self-centeredness, I think, makes people miserable. You know, we live in a world that's very much, it's about me. And... Um, so our, my question is, how do we become the best that we can be? How do we stay connected and how do we navigate things so that we don't become disconnected? And then as a church, we become the influencer in the world that helps the world stay connected. I mean, the church is to be the light of the world. Is that not true? So a couple of little questions to ask you. Or well, I'll give you a quote first from um, Abraham Lincoln. He said, we're too big to take offence and too noble to give it. That's a great statement, isn't it? But firstly, let me ask you some questions. Are you easily offended? Do you explode over and have little fits over small things? Do others say that you make mountains out of molehills? Do you frequently take things the wrong way? Or, do some people call you high maintenance? 
My husband's high maintenance. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. I'm not going there. No. Um, do others feel they have to walk around eggshells when they're near you? Well, it's interesting, you know, hypersensitivity in life robs you of happiness, really. You know, it's a robber. The thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. So we need to develop some skills so that we're not hypersensitive. And as a body, the church is not to be hypersensitive. We're the ones that are the light set on the hill. So we're the ones that should be navigating these things really well. I just left my Bible over there and I just want to grab it. Things like disappointment and anger, fears are dangerous emotions that can disconnect us from God, right, on the day-to-day. So we've got to be careful. There's a lot of bumps in the road today that are caused by COVID or shall I say just sin. (laughs) I think COVID is just bringing out a lot of our sensitivities. And we really are in danger of separating from the road. So let's turn to Titus chapter 2. I was a bit scared about preaching this message because you know that the preacher's always got to be the one that looks at themselves first. Titus 2 verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for every good work. Now, chapter 3, verse 2 says, Remind them to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness of God... How awesome is that statement? When the kindness of God and the love of God our Saviour towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. You know, the world is sinful, but through Jesus Christ he brings reconciliation comes through the cross the gospel is all about reconciliation the world is separated the shock absorbers are not working and there's a separation but the church is the one that brings reconciliation and shows the pathway through Christ that we might be connected again to the, to God that we might find happiness and fulfillment in life true It tells you in Ephesians 2.16, sorry I didn't give you this one Andrew, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. Enmity is a state of active opposition or hostility. How many of you think the world is kind of like an act of opposition? 
There's an awful lot of division and separation going on in the world. How are we going to navigate that? Worse still, the church has got to be the example in the time now. You and I are the ones that are got to say, hey, we don't take offence. We're the ones that reconcile. You know, I was amazed this last 40 days, we've been doing 40 days of fasting from the 9th of August 9th to the, um, this Friday, the 17th of September. 40 days of fasting. You know, last week our theme was unity and, um, and just praying for the church to be in unity. We saw on Thursday amazing things happen. We've seen great breakthroughs. Now I need my phone. Thanks, Brie. Look at this. I've got everything in my hand except what I need. We saw an amazing breakthrough last Thursday. And even myself, can I say I've made amazing reconciliations and reconnections with people that I haven't talked with, some of them for 10 years. Just amazing things. You might find things are happening in your life and you go, this is amazing stuff's happening. It's no coincidence. God is moving. This fast is shifting things. It has shifted things. And this was the testimony. One of the, one of the prophetic prayers put this on our 40 days of fasting on Messenger on, at 8.28 a.m. on the 2nd of September. Morning, everybody. There's been a shift in the spirit. I am as sure of this as I am of breathing. Something has moved. I can almost hear the noise of those creaky hinges as the gates are being opened. And then she goes on and says, I should have been more specific. They are the gates that open up to us, entering into unity, peace, love and joy in the body of Christ. Now, that was at 8.30am. During that day, we had a family in our church that had been um, had a devastating loss financially who received a redundancy package that was four times the amount that they lost. That happened that day. I mean, that was an amazing thing. Then at night, there was an amazing reconciliation that took place um, um, between two families. Things had been okay, but there just hadn't been this initial meeting together. And I'd organised a meeting on the Friday. Well, you know what? On the Thursday, God actually caused that meeting to happen without anything to do with me. Not, and it just happened. They rang me that night and said, just want you to let you know, I don't think we need our meeting tomorrow. All is good. God orchestrated a meeting that brought reconciliation and it all happened on that day that that prophetic word happened in that morning. Now, see, that is prophetic. I always say with the prophetic, prophetic is all about timing. It's great to get an encouraging word, a comforting word or a word that will encourage you. But if you're in the middle of something and someone says, I just want you to say this and you go, oh, my God, that's exactly what's happening right now. And it speaks to you in that instant. That is absolutely I think one of the pinnacles of of, uh, the prophetic that makes it so exciting. The right word at the right moment can be life-changing. How many of you say amen to that? True. The prophetic was awesome. So that happened. And so not only that, my cup was running over on Thursday. I was a little bit out of my tree, but, you know, in in a nice way. And uh, Friday morning, I was going, oh my gosh, this is amazing what God is doing. Friday morning, somebody rings me. I'm about to have coffee and share the testimonies with somebody at the coffee shop. I hear from the, the chairman of INC, his, um, Kathy. 
and um, haven't talked to her for years. And I'm telling Kathy these testimonies and she said, I can't believe it. She said, my message that's on my heart that God's speaking to me is unity. And that had been our theme for the week. So we had a great talk. God is doing some amazing things and he wants us to partner. We bring reconciliation through the cross. So let me give you some things. We're talking about shock absorbers, right? We are the ones. Shock absorbers keep you on the road, right? If you don't have shock absorbers, you have a very rough ride in life. If you don't have some shock absorbers in your vehicle, in your temple, your Holy Ghost temple, you're in for a very rough ride. So you've got to learn that the shock absorbers are powerful. But not only that, personally, the church is the shock absorber in the world. And we are the light that shines so that people can see, my gosh, that's how they do life. I want to do life like that. They see you not taking offence, not getting upset, not getting stirred up and getting into the divisions and the things that are going on. You just keep serving and loving Jesus. You are on the road. You're navigating it. You're not getting separated from the road. Okay? Three things to do. First one is be humble. This is traits of unoffendable people, I just want you to know. I feel very challenged by all of these things. Be humble. Titus 3.2 says, Speak evil of no one. Be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. A minister was heard to say this. When he's offended, the first thought that comes to mind, and you can put this test across your own thought. When you're first offended, you think, I may have said or done something that it could have given the impression of offence. Is that your first attitude when something happens? It's a real challenge. And it says, your first response is a great attitude of humility that will almost make you immune to offence if you do it. If you can think like that, you will literally find yourself indestructible and offence won't come on board and won't attack you. That attitude of humility that says, oh, perhaps I did something or said something that caused them to take offence. And the second thing that this minister said to do was to seek the person out and apologise. I think one of the hardest things that the church do and, and doesn't practise well and we should practise it better is forgiveness. Forgive one another. How hard is it to seek someone out and say, you know, I'm really sorry if I offended you. Now, let me tell you, you will know if you've hurt someone, offended or done something, because the Holy Spirit does speak. And in this church, we pray for you every day, so you're in trouble. <laughs> Humility is a friend of inner peace. How to have a thick skin and enjoy life. If you want to be an offendable person, just be a proud person, because I tell you what, you'll take offense at everything because you'll think it's all about you. Humility is a friend of inner peace. Peace and equanimity are friends of happiness. You might say, well, what's equanimity? I'm glad you asked me that. I had to go and look it up myself because I, I, I thought I knew what it meant. But it says, calmness and composure, especially in difficulty. Or you could take the sentence, she accepted both the good and the bad with equal equanimity. So in other words, while we're navigating COVID, while we're navigating a government that seems to want to keep us in lockdown or seems to want to take our freedoms, we've got to find a place of calmness and composure. Go, 
Just take a deep breath. It's okay. Okay? Calmness and composure. How hard is that? It is really quite difficult. And, and, but the humility, just 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says this, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. So just be humble. Just be humble. Sounds, it just sounds easy, but it really is not. It's quite difficult. But the church, we're the, we're the ones, when someone takes offence, the church is the shock absorber. Instead of offending back, we absorb it because of the cross, because of what Jesus did. Jesus took it all upon himself. He took your sin. And in the end, offence is just a, a, a person who's alive who should be dead. <laughs> Paul said, I die daily. So if you're dead in Christ, you cannot take offence. You just don't because you're dead to sin. And you, you allow it to come on Christ and you let it roll off your back, casting your cares upon him because he cares for you. You've got to deal with offence. Humility deals with it and says, you know, Jesus, you took my sins on the cross. I've offended. You've taken it on the cross. I'm going to forgive others as you have forgiven me. Okay? Number two. So developing a thick skin, number two, love truth more than being right. And I was thinking about this and I ran it past my husband, my wonderful theologian husband, and I said, what do you think of this? And this is a little Peter Earlism that I got yesterday. Remember, I'm writing a little book of Earlisms. Just want you to know. Love the emotion of relationship more than the emotion of opinion. Love the emotion of relationship. This has been a hard one. This is a hard one for me. I love being right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there, okay? If God's forgiven me. You've got to forgive me. But I used to love always being right. Oh, dearie me. And in the end, it's just pride. Love the emotion of relationship more than the emotion of opinion. There's a lot of opinion in the world today. There's heaps of opinion going out there, left, right and centre. Don't be too precious about your opinion. Can I say that? Don't be too precious about your opinion. Because in the end, God wants us to love the person and have the relationship with the person more than loving what we think is right. And while we're on this topic, opinions on the Facebook and on the internet abound. But can I suggest, people send me stuff and it say, where did you get that? And they say, I just found it on the internet. For heaven's sake. Can you find some reputable sources that you follow? I follow John Anderson, who's the former Prime Minister of Australia. He's got a whole department that researches his facts and figures. I look at his speakers and I, I follow a few people. I don't look at everything. I, I read headlines on Facebook. If you follow everything, you'll get into every conspiracy theory under the sun. Don't do it. Because then you'll have an opinion and if you get an opinion then you'll become offendable because someone will say something against your opinion. Okay. So there's your Peter Earlism for the day. Love the emotion of relationship more than the emotion of opinion. And let's keep in relationship. Because I tell you what, 
it's a shock absorber, and if you don't have it, you're going to go off the road. You're going to lose control. The world's already losing control. You're the one to bring reconciliation and love and kindness and mercy. It's harder to get new friends than it is to grow in truth. Oh, boy, isn't that truth? It is harder to get new friends rather than grow in truth. I know families who separate because they have a different opinion over certain things. It's not worth it. Be in relationship. Your brother is your brother and he'll always be your brother. You need to protect that and look after that. Forget the opinion. Get over it. Number three. Make others your centre. You know, the all about me mentality that we're living in today is fertile soil for being offended. Let's say that again. The all about me mentality is fertile soil for being offended. And this is what the Bible tells us about having others at your centre. Philippians 1.21, Paul says this, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about reconciliation. Galatians 5.24, Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Romans 6.2, How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it. When people say, I want to be called by these 24 pronouns, what are they saying? It's all about me. It's not all about you. It's all about him. Let's reconcile under the banner of the cross. Let's meet underneath the cross and just say, Jesus, I die daily. And I'm preaching as much to me as anybody and because I jump on bandwagons and I jump to conclusions and I'm impulsive. But I've got to learn. We've all got to learn that my opinion is not really important. It's a relationship that's important. And that way the church becomes the light set on the hill. The church becomes what God has called it to be. If the church would take a hold of the whole concept of reconciliation and love and being a peacemaker, my gosh, we'd have revival because the world is looking for love. Just love somebody. Which brings me to my last point and my conclusion. The greatest commandment of all is in Luke 10, 25. And the rich young ruler come and say, said to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. Love. Just love one another. Don't try to change others. When we try to change other people, we're conveying that they're not okay as they are. So if you want people to accept you as you are, then accept someone else as they are. Don't try and change others. People get married and they say, oh, if only wouldn't do that, I'd say, well, if only you would change, then they might not do that. <laughs> Greatest lesson. Treat others how they need to be treated. It's interesting. Living the Christian life is a bit like a game of bowls. We played barefoot bowls the other night, our church group. We all went out and, you know, with our shoes on or off, went to the bowls club. So embarrassing. I remember my parents playing bowls and it's like you should be decrepit and old. 
and now I'm decrepit and old. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm now we're playing and I realised that my parents actually were really young, really young when they played bowls. But, you know, we're standing there and the tall people like Leanne, you know, have got really long legs and Jen Penny is saying, you've got to spread your legs, spread your legs so you can roll the ball, you know. And then the old fella who was coaching all of us women was a bit sad, really. And he's saying, see the little white ball down the end of the ball? He said, don't aim for that. You've got to aim for that. Okay. I'm bowling a ball. I, that just, just does not compute. I've got to go like this and sort of bowl the ball over there, but the ball's there. I want, he says, no, you've got to bowl it there because it's going to swing around. Living the Christian life's a bit like game of bowls. You've got to aim there. But but I want to be happy. I want to have my opinion. And, you know, God says, lay down your life. Then you can pick it up again. And I'm going, no, 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 the ball's there. I want to live my life. I want to be happy. No, you've got to aim for that one. You've got to die. Oh, but I don't like that. No, I don't want to do that. That's just painful. Yeah, well, you're a sinner and you've got to ask God to forgive you your sins and you've got to die and you've got to not get offendable. But, 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 but they said... And my heightened sense of justice rises up because I see the ball and I want to aim at the ball. Because Jesus says, no, no, you can't aim at the ball. You've got to aim out here. <laughs> see, happiness is a byproduct of sowing your life into others. If you aim for happiness, you'll be miserable because it's all about you. Jesus said the secret is to aim at serving others. He said, and the byproduct of happiness will come because it'll come back to you. When I was miserable, I used to complain to my mother. And she said, you need to go some, find somebody who's worse off than yourself and help them. Never once did she go, oh, you poor thing. Yes, it is. It's all about you, you poor little thing. I literally got a kick up the bum. Sorry, can I say that? I literally got a kick up the backside and she said, go. Do something and serve someone else. Can I say, church, go and serve someone else. You'll be happy because when you sow your life into others, the ball will come around. Happiness is a byproduct of you serving. How to get a thick skin. How to be happy. Be humble. Make others your centre. And love one another. Let's pray. Father, today, help us, Lord to die to ourselves. We just say, Lord, help us to be the shock absorber, not only in our own family and in our own life, but to just take it on board and be unoffendable, but just let it go. But Father, help us as a church to be that light set on a hill so that the world will look and see, I want that, and revival will come. We ask that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.